0: It's time to go into business for yourself. Get ready for another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. Education, insights, and inspiration. Here's your host, small business and franchise expert Tom Scarda. And hello, welcome to another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. Here for your inspiration and insight into franchising. I am excited uh, about this show because I can't resist the phrase, the hokey phrase. The show is going to the dogs today. We're going to be speaking with Mark Van Wy, who is the founder of Zoom Room, which is a dog training concept. So, if you listen to my podcast, you know we're all about helping people figure out franchising and whether it's for them or not, it's not for everyone. And I love to help people make decisions based on facts and, and not hearsay. And I like to really help people understand what their goals are and get them to businesses that will get them to their goals. So I typically work with folks that are you know, frustrated with their job and uh, cringe at the thought of going to work in the morning. And um, I also work with folks that just want to diversify their investments and own a franchise on the side, uh, which is something that we can do with this next concept we're going to talk about. So um, I just recently met Mark and um, he's interesting. He started a concept called Zoom Room Dog Training. Um, he believes deeply in positive reinforcement for both people and dogs. Mark is in uh, Southern California, and um, he has a son, Meyer, and um, they have been um, working with, um, with um, this Zoom Room concept and um, expanding it through the country. So currently, they have nine locations open, and they are um, deeply focused on getting it uh, national. So I want to invite Mark in. Uh, Mark, are you there? I certainly am. Hey, welcome to the Franchise Academy. Thank you, Tom. This is so great to have you on. And um, I know we went through a couple of different uh, changes to get here, but I'm excited that you could uh, do this. I am so excited about You know, anything having to do with dogs, not to mention, you know, I have a dog. I've had several dogs and uh, we we do a lot of rescues and training. I mean, training is everything. So we had um, a puppy black lab, you know, years ago um, and she had passed, you know, in 2012. So it's years ago. But we got that black lab and man, did she need some training? And and, and you guys come to the rescue for people like that because I see so many people, they get a puppy and. Then all of a sudden, they're like, they want to give up the puppy because he's chewing on the couch. Or in my dog's case, he was chewing on the wall. So <laughs> you got to get him trained.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, how did you get into dog training?
1: You know, I actually came into it through the door of uh, education and uh, training um, little people. So I had been working uh, with various national organizations like the Boys and Girls Club of America and the educational wings of Disney and Nintendo, Microsoft, developing large-scale national education platforms with an emphasis on teaching people with with no prior experience in teaching how to be expert teachers with young people. And um, when uh, back then I was married and my my ex-wife was an expert in the dog field. She was the president of the American Boarding Kennel Association and ran a very successful pet resort out in Los Angeles. And she had sort of had this idea that there was some other way to go about this besides daycare, besides kennels, that could really scratch the itch for people who were entrepreneurs, who loved dogs, wanted to make money, but really didn't want to deal with all of the incredible headaches that were befalling the people trying to start those more traditional models and once i heard her pitch i jumped in both feet quit my other work and found that the transition from teaching kids to teaching dogs was seamless because it had positive reinforcement in connection ah
0: very cool so i love the tag something to the effect of you don't really train dogs but you train their
1: parents We don't train dogs. We train the people who love them, which uh, really plays to my strength and to really the core model uh, that we're doing, which is that it's not a... a, a Daycare, you can't drop your dog off. It's not bored and train. We invite people to come in and we teach every single pet owner really how to deeply understand and communicate with their dog to really understand that. And that lets the training seamlessly translate to when they go home and to as they grow and develop and go into new areas.
0: That's fantastic. But in my mind, as a business owner, that translate it translates to less responsibility or liability. Is that Am I right about that?
1: Oh, absolutely. the The number of headaches that are involved when it comes to, uh, you know, traditional pet businesses. I mean, even something like a groomer you um, have to be relegated to special zoning. And then if the person goes across the street, gets a cup of coffee, comes back and says, my dog's ear wasn't like that before, then you're looking at a lawsuit. And Mm -hmm. so in that model where you're alone with somebody's dog, you're looking at deaths, you're looking at fights, you're looking at lawsuits. And it's incredibly pervasive. For us, we have something that gives you great peace of mind. When you turn the lights off at night, the phone doesn't ring in the middle of the night because there's no dogs kept there. You don't have clients complaining about how you're handling the dogs because they're handling their own dogs. And so we have an incredibly happy, upbeat environment um, that has a real emphasis on socialization. Um, We use socialization both for the dogs because it's the most important thing for them, even more than the training, but also for the people who have a lot in common with each other, a lot of similar questions, and um, really incredible friendships are born out of these these classes and the social events.
0: It it is amazing. The social events blow my mind. Um, I have some friends that own uh, one of these uh, kind of doggy daycare things, and and they have all the headaches. Actually, it took 18 months to find the right location after they signed their franchise agreement, which is a whole other story. But um, I I love the fact that you don't need – Permits, so you could put this almost anywhere because it really is a destination, right?
1: You can put it in any shopping center. You can put it on Main Street. You could have it next to a restaurant, a uh, you know, karate studio, yogurt yogurt store. You name it. Whole you know, Whole Foods. Um, these are some of the places where our stores are right now. And so, because of the, because of the nature of what we are not doing, um, our zoning is easy. We're also not having to deal with things like regulations for um, air intake or for drainage in the floors. All the things that are really a challenge when you're managing an enormous facility. So it also means our startup costs are much lower, our operating costs are lower, our payroll is a tiny fraction, there's only a couple people working at a time. And so the whole thing is just, you know, fits in your pocket, you can open up a whole bunch of them throughout the town. And uh, it's just, you really get to play with the dogs all day.
0: That that and that is special. I mean, I, I love that idea. But at the same time, you 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 know you could do this as an investment model. Is is that right? Do you need to oh, be yeah. there as the owner?
1: No, you know we love that we love the idea of of a super educated um, owner, meaning that they can be absentee semi absentee, but we love the idea that it 's not just sitting in their portfolio but that they 're going to take part in some of our conferences, some of our training, so that when they do go visit their site they 'll actually have some knowledge of understanding what all what their managers doing, what their staff is doing. Um, our highest grossing store right now is actually a fully managed um, semi absentee the owner lives in Hawaii the store is in Orange County, and the store has had so much success that they had the problem of customers being unhappy about the wait list. But they uh got very lucky because the pizza store next door moved and so they were able to take down the wall and now they have a double gym, wait has gone, customers are happy and um they're they're absolutely thrilled. And that Great. is uh, absentee owned. Great story.
0: Love that. What what would you think is the perfect balance then if I was to, you know, invest in this business, but I have a full-time job and You know, maybe my my, uh, significant other has, you know, a job as well. Would you like somebody putting in five hours, 10 hours, 20 hours a week? What would be a good balance?
1: It, it. I don't think it really matters. I think all that matters is that you make a really great choice in who your designated manager is going to be and that they're working all the time and that the one thing going on in their life is the success of the store. And so your life may change. You may have other investments, other things going on. You come in and out as you need. But to have the peace of mind knowing that there is one person there that is moving all the levers, I, I think that's the only thing that's really a determining step.
0: So I so I buy the franchise, I invest in this franchise, I get my store, and where am I getting employees from? Are they already trained or are they being trained by Zoom Room?
1: A great question. So we provide training for up to two people initially. And typically for a you know owner-operator store, that would be for the franchisee herself and perhaps a business partner or spouse or uh child. Um, We've seen all of those different permutations. Or they may have already picked somebody else that they want to have come on. Um, After that, once you've been doing this for a while, you're able to use our training uh, methods to actually train your own trainers so you don't need to send them to us. There's no hidden training fees about you have to keep paying us to do the training for you. Um, And finding them is incredibly easy because our big recommendation is don't hire dog trainers to be your dog trainers. Don't hire dog trainers to work in your store. And that may sound somewhat unusual, but this is coming from a business whose motto is we don't train dogs. Um, We train the people who love them. Because the customers are our real clients and because we are creating a lifestyle atmosphere with an incredibly educated clientele, um, what you really care about is a sales staff that is upbeat, outgoing, extroverted, energetic, um, and smart. And so uh, the best employees for you are not going to be people who are coming to you from Petco or from a daycare. They're the ones who were an assistant manager at Old Navy who are working at Williams-Sonoma who are yoga teachers, Pilates teachers, coaching youth soccer, people who have charisma, people who have energy. The dog training part, this is our expertise. There is literally no one else that can train people to be dog trainers as well as we can. And we've had 100% success with everyone who's gone through our program. And um, the reviews you can find on, you know, Google, Yelp, Facebook, all the usual suspects, um, kind of speak for themselves. So um, that's definitely a question we get: is where do I find these people? And the answer is just look for awesome people that you'd want working in any retail business, and let us take care of the dog part.
0: That's great, and that's kind of makes me feel good as as an potential owner um, because there might be, you know. I just as you start talking, I'm thinking about this little restaurant that my wife and I go to. You know, probably too much, um, but there is a waitstaff person there that we love, and I would hire that person and say, "Hey, I'll get you out of this place." Or maybe you could work in both places a little bit. But you could, you know, if you love dogs, you could work in my place and play with dogs all day instead of serving, <laughs> you know, greasy hamburgers.
1: Definitely. And you know, I mean, the labor market right now in the US is very different than it's ever been in the past. Um, Employment is at an incredible high, unemployment at a real low, Um, the quit rate is the highest it's ever been, and staff turnover. This is not specific to Zoom Room, this is just any business owner in America knows this. And so how do you have a competitive advantage as an employer? Because now you're kind of competing with every other business for getting that great, you know, server that you just talked about. Well, the one way is just throw lots of money, but that's not the best thing for business. So other than throwing money at the problem, what can you do? Well, what you can say is what you just said, Tom. You get to play with dogs all day. You really do. You're not cleaning up after the dogs. The clients clean up themselves. I mean, clean up after their dogs themselves. We train them to do that. And um, we have great little stations to make it simple and easy. And so you literally are there for puppy classes and play groups and agility with people people and dogs running these obstacle courses, scent classes. It's a lot of fun. And the clientele are people that you'd really want to hang out with. Um, because we don't have all of those boutique things going on, we don't really appeal to the the sort of Beverly Hills model dog owner who carries their you know dog around in a, in a purse and treats it like an accessory and dresses it up. Um, we like to have fun we have Halloween parties and stuff like that but at the same time we really, people come in for the first agility class in heels and they don't do that again. After that, they realize they need to wear sweats and flats or sneakers and they're going to be running and sweating and getting quite a workout themselves. And so as a result, the only people that are coming are people who really, really love their dogs and want to be doing that stuff. And that is all the millennials. It's empty nesters. It is, you know, it is everybody who is buying and buying and buying into the, you know, multi-billion pet industry right now. So it's, uh, business has been good
0: yeah i you know what what i have been reading about the pet industry um in general not even as as franchising is just that the numbers are going to grow five times what they are today um and i also read somewhere and i wish i could find this article but i read somewhere that americans are now spending as much or more on their dogs as they are on their human children um And if you think back, you know, like for me, I'm in my 50s. So when I was a kid, I don't remember ever seeing dogs dressed up in, you know, as pumpkins. But now (laughs) it's like, it's almost like peer pressure. You have to do it. (laughs)
1: Yeah. No, there have been some major, major changes and trends in pet ownership in America and and worldwide. Um, The shift to positive reinforcement from correction, um, incorporating dogs as more of family members, um, and really caring about what you're putting in their mouth, caring about where you're sourcing those toys. Where were they manufactured? Do you know if there's lead in them? And of course, dog food, how much transparency is there in the supply chain? for the treats, the toys. So we also are um, a retail establishment. We, we sell a curated collection of Made in America toys, treats, training tools you know the full spectrum and we take great care in that because we know that is not just a trend we think that's here to stay and we think that many of the major you know grocery store chains um other businesses and franchises we're seeing that incredible care for quality of ingredients um and transparency on sort of that third wave um we incorporate that into our business as well and our practices
0: sure yeah yeah and um and you're right, that is not going away, that's the way of the millennials, and um, and obviously they're young, so this is going to be the way yeah. it's going to be for the next 60 years at least, um, and that's fantastic. So, a little bit more on on like the business model, because I'm sure. really, really interested in this, so... How many um, square feet are we looking for to put one of these things in? Is it like a ten thousand foot square warehouse?
1: No, I'm glad you asked. That that would be our competitors. That would be tipi- a typical daycare or kennel facility. Um, we're actually we have a really small footprint of three thousand square feet. You could get as small as about twenty eight hundred, and um, but three thousand is perfect. Going anything above that, uh, you're really just having a lot of wasted space. So really nice small footprint. Everything fits right in there. And, you know, if you're trying to picture it, you can certainly see them on our website at zoomroom.com or, you know, Facebook, anywhere else there. Sure. Um, but, um, but yeah, it basically looks like an upscale gym.
0: Yeah. That is so neat. And how many employees would you really have if if you're like, a, I said your biggest guy in um, you say in orange County now your biggest franchisee, and how many employees do, do they have?
1: Um, at any given time, there's two people working. Um, but, you know, depending on where your market is, you may have people working shift labor. And so you may have five, six, seven people on your payroll, but the total number of aggregate hours will always be the same, which is just going to be two people working.
0: Oh, okay. And And so is it open like, you know, 12 hours a day, seven days a week?
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Weekends, a typical store would be something like ten a.m. to nine p.m. Monday through Friday, and nine a.m. to five p.m. Saturday and Sunday.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, so you you have the weekend hours, okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, as you can imagine, evening and weekends tend to be the busiest, the most predictably busy time um, when people are wanting to come for group classes right after work um, or over the weekend. But then throughout the day, we've got you know, private training available, daytime group classes. You mean, you figure wherever people are going to a yoga or Pilates class during the day, they certainly are there in numbers to come to um, dog training classes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the cool thing about the franchise, like if I, I wouldn't know, right, if I opened up a business, I just wouldn't know what the strong times are. But being in a franchise, you are able to tell your new owners, hey, look at, you know, you definitely need to be ready for this time of the day and be ready for this time of the week and, you know, whatever might be. It. And, and that, I think, is um, something that's valuable, right?
1: Yeah. And we're a super data driven company too. So we're able to give you, you know, I mean, I think I'm obviously sort of preaching the benefit of franchising in general here, but whatever your business you're interested in, if you are just having that one store and that's the only Intel you have, you know, what sells well at your store, you know, when your customers are showing up and when they're not, you know, what kind of ads are working, you know, how much to charge. Um, Because that's what's worked for you, but you have no idea what you're missing out on. And for us, we do, I think, an excellent job of providing incredible data tools and intel to all of our franchisees about the products that are selling great elsewhere and about helping them get really, really look under the hood at their numbers and seeing what kind of revenue they're doing per hour, where they're peaking, what kind of tweaks they could make. Because we have so many different revenue streams that are complementary with one another, it really allows the franchisee to play to their strengths and to have lots of different variables to move around. Um, we have, uh, one of the things I'm most proud of is how much our year-over-year growth has been in in the the grosses and the profits of the stores. Um, Even if you take away, you know, predictable things like You know, increased attendance. Well, of course, you do more next year, you have more customers, you've been around longer, you're doing more advertising. If you subtract that out, still by making these subtle changes to pricing models, subtle changes to the scheduling, to all of those little things, um, it can result in, you know, easily double digits of growth on top of it, piled on top of growth from increased attendance.
0: That's so cool, and it might be interesting for someone listening to this and not really knowing much about franchising. you know you look you're talking about a dog training franchise, this little three thousand square foot thing, and you know how sophisticated could it be really? and then you hear this
1: <laughs> all this data I mean it's- that's
0: you know the strength of a great franchise company. It's exactly.
1: not, it's, I mean, you, you know better than I, Tom, cause you, you are a franchise expert. I'm a Zoom room expert, but it's not every franchise does it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we have some unusual distinctions you wouldn't expect in dog training. The very first business in the world to use an iPad in business. It was the Zoom Room. We have that. We were on lots of national network news. We were the first ones to do that. Um, And we've been a bellwether in a lot of aspects of technology. We develop our own special software for social media and really, really stay incredibly tech forward because it's good for business. It's smart. It's proven to work. And also our customers are as well. And so it helps us speak their language and provide the kind of mobile first tools they need.
0: Wow. That's so cool. And and that's what I look for in a great franchise is exactly that, Um, because if you are a mom and pop business, you know, you're very um, limited to the knowledge that you could possibly even afford to gain. You know, I, I always talk about the fact that, you know, if you're just doing direct mail to everybody on the street, you're wasting a lot of money. You know, because not you know, if we talk about your concept, you know, the, not everybody has a dog, so why are you sending them a piece of direct mail? Because they might exactly. have exactly. Um, and if you're able to focus directly to who your you know buying persona is and and understanding what their journey is, I mean, that's just an amazing, amazing uh, leg up, if you will.
1: Oh, absolutely! Because you know, someone fans might fancy themselves a great business person and a great dog trainer. But are you also a great graphic designer and web designer and copywriter? And do you know how to do social media? And do you have expertise working in PR? And what about in data modeling? What about in in purchasing, you know, supply side? What about in, you know, HR? And so on. And down the line, I can list, you know, every course they might teach you in business school and it, it doesn't exist. There's no one who has expertise in every single one of those and you're not going to be able to afford all of those you're not going to have your own cfo who's going to help you understand the difference between your cash flow and your profitability and all of that but when you are with us you have all of that and i'm not saying it's all me but like we have an incredible cfo who's there to hold your hand we have an incredible director of ops who's visiting your store there for your grand opening helping you with you know the nuts and bolts and everything um and you just get a team. And a lot of people always ask, you know, what do I get for my royalties? And it's, what don't you get? Mm. Love it.
0: That's so great, Mark. This is so so enlightening, even to me. So uh, <laughs>
1: thank you. <laughs> That's very flattering coming yeah. from you.
0: Really cool. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about, you know, your background. Sure. Um, just, um, you know, for the aspiring uh, entrepreneurs out there, business owners, Is there a story that you might be able to share about something that might have been your worst entrepreneurial moment?
1: Uh, You know, in our early, I can just, you know, pick any number of them from when we first started franchising because, you know, we knew a lot about business and a lot about dogs, um, a lot about a lot of stuff, but not that much about franchising per se when we first we that was a a learning curve and so one of our first franchisees was this wonderful couple they opened a great store they knew their market they were lovely they were smart and we felt like we knew everything about them they opened their store and we realized one thing we never asked them or anyone else which is um how much money do you have and where is your money coming from and how are you paying for this business so Mm. turns out they financed the entire business on 12 credit cards with 0% initial, you know, one of those special deals that in six months goes away, and you're now paying all of that interest on a whole bunch of credit cards, and it doesn't matter how well your business is doing in its first year, that's that's the end of the story. That's mm-hmm. uh, So that that store closed down, and it was really sad, but it was... A learning experience, we realized, oh, we can't stick our head in the sand. That's really important because mm. we run this business for dog owners and we say every day we're setting them up for success. You know, we do dog agility for puppies, we lower the bar, literally lower the bar. <laughs> um, and we are doing all the obstacles so that all of our clients are so happy. We try to set up our franchisees for success. But we're doing them a terrible disservice if we're saying yes, this is so much fun. You're going to love this. You're going to do great. If they have zero runway, if they have no money, this isn't for you. Um, and uh, I'm sorry, I mean, nothing is potentially. Right. But um, that was that was really hard to lose that because they were great, a great couple. Hmm. But um, and a lot of humility in realizing how, how how stupid it was not to have you know dug in.
0: And and this is why I ask that question on every podcast, because there's so much insight into those kind of, you know, lessons learned, if you will. And for those listening now, um, if you aren't interested in what it takes, you know, capital wise financing, if you go over to YouTube, I got a, a really neat little tight video. It's only like four minutes long and it's called the three buckets of money, uh, three buckets of money needed to buy a franchise. So. I won't get into the details now, but being undercapitalized is the number one reason for failure in business, franchised or not. So um, make sure you cover your three buckets of money. Uh, And so check that video out if you get a chance. Um, Mark, what are you fired up about right now in your business?
1: I think growth. I mean, opening more locations the locations we have and the ones to come having so much year over year growth having this incredibly amazing team i i mentioned a few of the people here um it's it's uh just having that team and, and going into more areas and then you know i'll throw in a shameless plug i was actually solicited uh this in 2018 to author a new um book on puppy training that the the publishers are intending to be the new Bible called Puppy Training in Seven Easy Steps that'll be out in April. Mm. And what I did was, my negotiation was, I'll write it, but it's got to be Zoom Room first. I want Zoom Room dog training in big font. You can put my name really little below it. I'll write the whole thing for you Mm. because I have a lot of expertise. But the idea of now having, coming out in April, a heavily, a to-be-heavily-promoted Book on puppy training, where we are the authority and the expert. That's going to be so cool. I mean, I don't mean cool for me, but cool for the Zoom room and for all the stores to have that, to be proud of it, to give it out to the customers. Maybe not give out, maybe sell to the customers. (laughs) We do want to make money. And um, I'm pretty excited. I think that's going to be a big game changer in getting our name out even further.
0: That's great. So um, put a tickler in your file, and I'll put one in my file to reconvene in April. Yeah. Uh, When that book comes out, we'll uh, do another little podcast. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, I think that would be great. Uh, And it's for the good of the dogs. That's what it's for. It is. Um, For sure. So what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received?
1: You know, I think this this kind of straddles the line between business and personal, but my mom would always say to me, and still does, anytime something would be happening, she'd say, are you going to still be upset about this in seven years? Mm. And... If the answer is yes, okay, you know, rally rally the wagons. Um, but if not, there's really no need for a big reaction. And I feel like that has helped me as a CEO, govern with uh, as smooth and even a keel as I possibly can can muster, and um, has kept me really always forward looking to the big picture. I'm a very long-term, big-picture guy, mm-hmm. and that's what all my past business experience has been in, is scaling things up and looking at the long view. And that very, I mean, I take, take her words figuratively, but literally too. So when there is an issue, I always give it that seven-year test, and uh, it has saved me, I don't know, you know how many uh, upset stomachs and headaches.
0: Mm, that's great, um, and I'm going to use that. I, I, I don't know if I've ever heard it put it that way, so um, I'm going to take that for myself. Thank you. What's um, one myth about your industry that you'd like to bust right here, right now?
1: You know, I think we alluded to it before, but it has the myth that's always been around is um, – that you can open a traditional pet business. People go about it, like opening a kennel or something like that, saying I'm going to make money and I'm going to play with dogs all day. And I can't speak to the money part because there are lots of very successful, you know, um, um, businesses in the pet space. But the playing with dogs you know, I think until we came along, that is something that there is a long line of people who learn the hard way that when you have to have a 10,000 square foot facility and it takes you so long to get the zoning, and you're only able to afford, you know, employing, you know, 30, 40 people that are, you know, 19, 20 years old and aren't taking care of the dogs you way, the way you would like to, if you were literally doing it yourself, that um, people quickly sour of that and realize that it is um, a much darker darker, um, world than they had, had anticipated. Um, so I think that the the idea that you can do, you know, just a pet supply store or a kennel and, um, and really see yourself as the epicenter of the dog world is, um, is a myth. And, um, I think that's really is what led to the birth of, of the Zoom room.
0: Yeah. Amen to that. And that goes really for almost any subject that is someone's hobby or passion, and I always tell people, don't don't follow your hobby into business because um, you'll end up hating that hobby. So, you know, if you could marry something like this, I mean, a lot of people are passionate about dogs. Uh, you have to go about it in the right way with eyes wide open. Um, and otherwise, you know, you end up in a really bad place financially. Uh, you can't just play with dogs all day long. Maybe you could do it on Saturdays, but you can't do it every day in business. So,
1: oh yeah, we we have had people on um, you know candidate calls say, "Hey, if I in my Zoom room, could I add could I add grooming too?" And oh, could we have you know we have some older people? Could they drop off their dogs and we'll train it for them? I'm like, okay. So if you did that, you're working backwards. You're undoing everything that we figured out. Once you do that, where are you going to put the dogs when they're not actively there? In some sort of They'll be like, oh, in a crate. Okay, so you just built a kennel into your Zoom room, but now you signed a lease saying you're not boarding dogs, and now you're going to have to be rezoned, and now you're going to need more staff, and now your payroll goes up, and you end up. They basically, you know, circled back and invented the business that we were trying to, you know, find a cure to in another way to approach.
0: Isn't it so funny? That that is a great story, and I have a similar <laughs> I had a similar experience myself when I was a new franchisee for a smoothie concept. I found um, th- this really cool stuffed kind of monkey, um, and I wanted to like sell these things because people loved this monkey. It looks so <laughs> real, and I went to the CEO of the company, and um, and I'll never forget. I-, I pitched this whole thing, and I sent them a, a, a monkey in the mail, and and um, he's like, "Oh my god, this is great! I love it!" But you know, we're gonna have monkey inventory problems. We don't want that, Tom. <laughs> and was, no. That's all he had to say. He's like, oh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. And it's like, you know, hey, I, I, got, I got this great McDonald's, but I'm going to sell fish tacos instead. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so um, that's awesome. Just love that. Um, I wanted to also get into a little bit about um, maybe a aha moment for you. Is is there anything you could point to? uh that you do, uh, that led to your success so far?
1: You know, I think for me it was, um, we have a store in Virginia beach and, um, not terribly long after they first opened, they were wiped off the map by, um, hurricane Matthew. And, um, it, you know, was a tragedy and should have been, and for that whole region was suffering, But the most amazing thing happened the day of the hurricane, their clients, their clients' children showed up at the Zoom room in Virginia Beach with pumps, with squeegees and helped them bail the whole thing out right after the storm died down the, um, their clients and some several other local businesses came together, started a crowdfund, raised money for them, and it took them less than six weeks. They had rebuilt the entire store, were back open, and hit the ground running. And I just was sort of blown away because I think I'm a nice person. I think I'm not a jerk. But if that happened to some business I love near here, I think I probably would donate my money to the Red Cross, not to, you know, my local favorite dog place or ice cream place or, you know, gym or something. And I was like, what's wrong with me? And then I realized that, you know, that's, I think, what besides training people to be dog trainers, what we've done is so hard for any brand is to you know really win hearts and minds, to create something that people genuinely love. Because when they love it, and I mean love it, I don't mean like it, it means they are very, very, very likely to recommend you to their friends and to their family member and to be shouting your name from the rooftops on social media and or just literally on the street in dog parks when people ask, you know, oh my God, your dog's amazing. And they say, well, I go to this place, the Zoom room. So we had started tracking early on um, a a metric that um, I don't think a lot of people know. It's called the NPS score. It stands for Net Promoter Score. And there was a poll of Fortune 100 CEOs, and it was listed top as the, the business statistic that they cared about the most. And it really is a very simple number to understand it measures the willingness of your customers to recommend you. And the reason I think CEOs like them or not, you know, myself as well love it is because it doesn't just tell you how much money am I making today, it predicts the future. Because you could sell you know, hoverboards and make a ton of money, but if they all catch on fire, no one's ever going to buy them in the future. You're going to be stuck with warehouses full of inventory. You may end up in the end you know, going bankrupt and losing all of your money. But if everybody loves you, and it's love. So it's only like someone scoring you a 9 or a 10 minus all of the detractors. And even the people who are iffy get get subtracted. Um, you get that. And the Zoom room had always scored like an Apple or an Amazon. I mean, really, really, really high. But it was just a number I was proud of. And it was when that happened in Virginia Beach after Hurricane Matthew that I went, that's what a high NPS score looks like. I get it now. And I don't think I'd ever felt more proud of the Zoom room as that moment.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. That is great. And yeah, that that Net Promoter Score is really important. And uh, a lot of franchises are tracking that now. Great. good, Really good stuff. Can you recommend um, an internet source that you like, an internet resource?
1: I mean, what uh, this is more very specific to pet. I think someone, if someone is listening to this podca- podcast who's really interested in the pet space, um, not just franchising more broadly. On our own website, we've put together a white paper on the pet services industry. That is, um, it almost all the numbers you find about the pet industry, all the billions it's mostly veterinary bills and um, and dog food. But all the other stuff like daycare, grooming, training, that is left out of most of the mainstream news you see. So we've put together a white paper on the pet services industry today, right in the main, it's at the top of our, our franchising section of the Zoom Room website. Okay. And um, it's, heavily heavily cited so it's not like us saying stuff in our own words but i think it's a great one-stop shop to really delve dive deep into what's going on today this is you know extremely current 2019 2018 research on millennials on spending patterns specific to america specific to the pet services not dog food not vet and um it's a great education whatever path you follow from this on your own or in franchising um i i i'm I think that's that's definitely a great resource.
0: So this is a great segue to um, what is your website?
1: Okay, oh, zoomroom.com. Well, that's pretty easy. So it's yeah. Z as in Zebra, right? Yep.
0: Zoomroom. Yep. Zoomroom.com. That's awesome. Um, any uh, good books lately that you've
1: read? I have to say Puppy Training in 7 Easy Steps comes out in <laughs> April. Are <laughs> <laughs> you want me to say, Tom?
0: Love it. Okay. We'll go with that for sure. So I I will end with, uh, Mark, this question. Any parting piece of guidance that you could give to the listeners? Uh, And again, the best way to connect with you and the website?
1: Yeah, take all the stuff you're seeing online, whether it's on your computer, print it out. Put it on your kitchen table. Have your friends over, your family. Whatever you end up deciding to do, whether it's Zoom room, another franchise, something else entirely, um, you're going to have successes. You're going to have challenges. And your family and friends are really going to be the ones who are going to be your ultimate support network, not your franchisor. I mean, we're great but we're not your friends and family. (laughs) Well, we would love to be your friends and your family to think, be thought of that way, but it's not the same. And they're the ones who are really going to be there for you. And I think it's so important, um, even if like your significant other has a job and isn't going to be materially involved, you're going to want their support. And so really, really talk about all your ideas, share it with your kids, with your neighbors, your best friend, let them know everything you're thinking about. And um, I think that's, that's just such an important support network and something you should never take for granted.
0: Yeah, that is great. And I think, um, you know, I always say to folks, when you're thinking about a franchise, you know, I really want to have you and your spouse on the phone. Let's talk it out. And even if they're not going to be involved, you don't want to do it to them, but
1: you want to do it with them. No, because that night, they're going to ask you a million questions. So better for them to hear the answer from the horse's mouth.
0: Right, right. And no matter what you come back to your spouse with in regard to the franchise concept that you love, they're always going to say, how did you come up with that? (laughs) <laughs> and why not the other thing? You know, right? Why not Subway? You know, I mean that's what that's what you'll hear. And so, you, you want to get them educated, um, and and people might have different ideas that you may not have thought about uh, pertaining to the concepts. And um, it's great to get that info, bring it back to the franchisor, and and validate it, and say, hey, what do you think about this? So, you know, whatever it might be. So, um, so great piece of advice there, Mark. Um, again, the website is zoomroom.com. Is that right?
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, and if you need to contact Mark, you could uh, reach me at uh, tom at the franchise and I will put you directly in touch with Mark if you have questions about anything pertaining to what we talked about on this podcast. So I appreciate you being on with me, Mark. This was uh, great, just a great, great concept, and congratulations on your success so far.
1: And all that's to come. Thank you so much, Tom. It's been an absolute pleasure.
0: Absolutely. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.
1: Thank you. This has been another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. For more info, go to our website, thefranchiseacademypodcast.com. Remember to subscribe to Tom Scarter's YouTube channel for educational videos on franchising, education, insight, and inspiration.